every kick, every game, every goal. Following Morecambe FC in League One. Full match commentary of Morecambe FC on Beyond Radio. This is Shrimps Live from Beyond Radio. After. Hartley pulled down the right-hand side. They are in the box, and that was a free shot in the opening goal of the evening. Come on. Seven minutes here at Victoria Park and Morecambe were just cut open far too easily down that right-hand side, ball across and the Hartlepool forward was completely and utterly unmarked and he just strokes it into the net, Pat Jockel Anderson. It's Hartlepool 1, Morecambe 0. Well, that wasn't in the script, was it at all? Like I say, moments ago, I've been very impressed with Hartlepool's attacking intent and uh, I, I don't know which player it was who cut inside and, and took it past two Morecambe defenders and squared it right to a, a blue and white shirt just around about the penalty area and he makes no mistake from 12 yards and slams it home and it's Matty Daly with the finishing touch there. That's it's a good finish actually took it first time goes down the line quickly looking for the run of Shane McLaughlin McLaughlin's in it up and over the keeper this could be the equaliser oh, that, is a, a goal. that is a finish of a quality footballer isn't it 32 minutes on the watch and it was pretty Route 1 stuff from the Shrimps. Uh, uh, out the Jockel Anderson's feet, he cleared up towards halfway. Cooney took a really quick throw and Shane McLaughlin just got the right side of his man as the keeper came out, lobbed it over him from about 15 yards and it nestles nicely into the back of Jonathan Mitchell's net. It's Hartlepool 1, Morecambe 1. That is an unbelievable goal from, from Shane McLaughlin. Great play from Cooney to get the ball into his path. I think could have got a little bit lucky the wind may have taken the ball off the head of a Hartlepool defender but he still had it all to do very congested in the heart of the midfield there and Wildig just gets it out towards Cooney who tries to chip oh, the ball a, in for Joan Roy Younger now now then what's going on here the referees decided it is indeed a penalty Joan Roy Younger went to ground from the Ryan Cooney cross from the right hand side you called it straight away there Matt Smith Referee thought about it and he's awarded the Shrimps a spot kick. It had to be absolutely nailed on. The clearest penalty that you're likely to see. Six minutes then before half-time here at Victoria Park. It's the EFL Trophy and it's Callum Jones for Morecambe who's going to take this penalty to give Morecambe the lead and it. puts it into the far corner really nicely. Keeper went the right way. He wasn't going to get that. Lovely, nice and calm, cool as you like penalty. And it's Callum Jones's first goal for Morecambe. Burn just inside his own half can mop that one up over towards this right hand side it goes and that's nice interchange of passing from Hartlepool United and they find themselves bearing down on goal here Hartlepool in the box ball across they've got a man over and the ball's been put into the back of the net and that's the equaliser seven minutes before the 90 minutes here at Victoria Park and it was too easy really, ball down the right hand side, we did have opportunities to cut the ball out and we couldn't quite make it happen and they had men over at the back post and it was all too easy and it's on as even on 83 minutes, Hartley pulled two, Morecambe two. Yeah way too easy unfortunately, ball delivered in, drilled in, we know what it's going to be like in conditions like these, real pace on the delivery and we just don't get the opportunity to, to clear the danger He's going to go long, left-footed. Well, I say long, he's made an absolute howler of that. And Mike Fondop here could be taking it around the goalkeeper. Fondop, tricked by Anderson. He made the mistake with a kick out of his hands and he's taken down the former Morecambe trialist Fondop inside the box. 
and late on in stoppage time, Hartlepool have the chance to win it from the penalty spots. You just can't make it up, can you? Absolutely unbelievable. But a howler from Jockel Anderson could allow Hartlepool United to win it. Oh, yes! Anderson was beaten, he went for power and he smashes it off the bar. He's cut away with one there, much to the delight of the Shrimps fans. Goodness me, might be going to a penalty shootout after all. We were just teasing. <laughs> Morecambe are going to take the first penalty then. Courtesy of Ryan Cooney, he's got a very straight run up as Cooney and uh, he oh, puts it straight great down penalty. the middle. Great pen. First penalty then for Hartlepool United. Here it comes, and Jochel Anderson sent the wrong way, 1-1. So here comes Shane McLaughlin, he's also got quite a straight run. Quite a short one as Shane McLaughlin has his effort saved away to his right-hand side by Jonathan Mitchell. And this here is comes, the man who missed the pen. And here comes Molyneux, and he went low into the bottom corner that time, and if he'd have done that a few minutes ago, we wouldn't now be having this penalty shootout, but Molyneux scores and puts Hartlepool 2 on up in the penalty shootout. Here comes Nahua, left-footed, and he's blazed it very, very high over the bar. That is not a great penalty, is it? Another one. Oh, that's a lovely penalty into the uh, top corner. Jochel Anderson going the right way, but nowhere near it. Pauls lead 3-1 in the shootout. Callum Jones, he scored in normal time. He needs to score again here. Otherwise, Hartlepool have got the bonus points in the group stages here. Just places the ball on the spot. Referee happy. Callum Jones for Morecambe. Dillies and Dallies and then just pen. about gets it into the corners that this is for the bonus points for Hartlepool. And he's puts it into the far corner. Great penalty from Tom Crawford. And that brings the end to proceedings here in the EFL Papa John's Trophy. Yeah, well, we got what we needed out of the game. Obviously, not the result um, again in this competition, but we made nine changes. Um, Aaron Wildig, his first game in, in weeks after illness. Um, Connor Pye making his debut for the club, which is great. Um, I thought Freddie Price done well as well, younger boys. Um, Jonah Ayunga, first start for, for months now. So we got out of it what we, we really wanted, the minutes and game time. Um, some a lot closer to the first team than others, but you, know, you don't know that until you play them and until you get them them minutes into their legs. And it's better than reserve football, you know. That's uh, the reality. When you make nine changes, you know you probably accept that it's going to be a bit topsy turvy with the results. But that's what we we use the competition for. Um, the conditions were horrendous, absolutely horrendous. But um, it was the same for both teams. A slow start, but once you got back into it, the goal from Shane on 33 minutes. I thought you dominated for quite long periods. But second half, they came out and uh, scored again another late goal, I suppose. Yeah, um, it was you know it was one of those. Was, the conditions were not contributing to any kind of good football, but and you could see the boys that haven't played for for months, weeks, the younger boys getting very very tired as well. But I was conscious I didn't want to use our, our main players tonight. You know we we rested quite a lot of boys, some that weren't even on the bench, and others had no intention of bringing on. So. As I say, we got out of it what we needed and, and credit to the supporters that travelled all the way up here in them conditions and you know, a safe journey back home as well. You mentioned Connor Pye there, you know, showed some good touches, some good crosses. Yeah, we he's trained with us all season. You know, we didn't let him go out and loan because we, we believed that staying with us and, and being in this group would, would improve him. And it certainly has, you know, and he you know, he had a few wee nervy moments to start with, but showed great character, which we know he has. 
and he grew in quality. Tired a little bit towards the end, but he's had COVID as well, you know, two or three weeks ago, which is which is obviously difficult to recover from. But delighted with him tonight. You know, that's a big plus. I thought Freddie worked his socks off tonight. It was unlucky not to score. Um, as I say, Jonah getting full ninety minutes and Aaron Wilde getting another 90 minutes so the people that we wanted to get game time got it and as I said it's better than reserve football Great to see Aaron Wilde back he did so well last year but we've not had a chance to see much of him this year with illness Yeah he's you know he's he's an experienced player that we need um, he's obviously not at his best as you can see tonight he needs the minutes he needs the game time he has been ill um, and, and obviously trying to get his energy and fitness levels back which will take a little bit of time but hopefully he'll have another um, reserve game next week um, behind closed doors that we can get more minutes in the boys so that we have the competition you know I, I think it's clear to see people need game time You've got a break now on Saturday is, is that good or not? Um, we wanted to play the game to be fair but there's you know we, we played tonight and we've got three or four really bad knocks from tackles sliding tackles in them conditions so it's probably a wise decision that we haven't played the game because we've, we're struggling with a couple of people tonight well, Callum a 2-2 draw in normal time a 4-2 defeat on penalties but uh, on a personal note a good night for you scoring two penalties in the uh, in the whole game yeah it was it's something that I practice most days to be fair of our keepers but unfortunately it wasn't enough in the end the game itself 90 minutes for you which, which is good was it for you yeah it was yeah of course it's good to get to get minutes um, I'm trying to be impatient at, at the minute because the boys are doing well so to come here and get 90 minutes and put on the right performance on is, is what I was looking for Is it important at this stage of the season that you do get as many minutes in as you can? Of course yeah being on the bench you need to be ready for injuries um, sending off so when you come off the bench you need to be you need to be fit and ready to go so getting that 90 minutes is definitely important yeah. How about that game tonight the conditions were horrendous weren't they? Yeah, chosen in the second half. We couldn't really get out of our half. Um, I think everything we played long uh, just come back to us. We didn't really buy a pass to get out, so it didn't really help. But again, yeah, we're not here uh, making excuses. It wasn't good enough in the second half. 2-1 up at the break. I thought you were going to go on to win the game quite comfortably at some stage, but to be fair to Tartlepool, they really came back into it. They took advantage of that wind, like you say. Yeah, as you just said, the, the wind played a massive part of the game. Um, we couldn't get out, we couldn't get up the pitch. Uh, we struggled to buy passes and, and play forward because it just kept coming back to us. Um, we didn't really have an outlet. Again, as the wind are just blowing back, so we did struggle, but they played a good game. On a personal level, how are you enjoying life at Morecambe? I'm enjoying it, yeah, I'm learning. Um, again, like I said, I'm, I'm being patient because the boys are doing well. Um, but I'm learning every day. It's it's new to me how the gaff wants to play, so I'm, I'm trying to train hard and just wait for my chance. Are you learning with the uh, senior players around you, the players that have been there before, like Timani, Diagraga and all that experience? Definitely off tombs, yeah. I think um, he just oozes class. Um, he's so composed on the ball and he's someone definitely that I watch when he plays because if I can take a few pointers off him, I'll be all right. Good that you scored from the spot today. It just shows that you've got a cool head when it matters and uh, that must be quite nice for you. Yeah, funny enough, I've scored a few penalties for Hull last year, uh, three or four maybe. But as I said, I practice most days, so it's something that I'd like to say I'm quite good at. So, yeah, it worked tonight. So what's your hopes now? Just to keep training well, um, keep pushing to try and get in the team, put the lads under pressure and, and work, work them hard and training every day. And when I get my chance, just take it. Hello and welcome to the Shrimps Verdict podcast, part of Shrimps Live on Beyond Radio and on I Follow Shrimps. We are already up to episode 17 of the pod. I cannot believe how fast this season is flying by. 
This is Dave Salmon. Thanks as ever for your ears. We always appreciate it. Can I also point you in the direction of the previous episode? The Wickham Wanderers podcast features an amazing interview with Morecambe FC director Charlie Appleyard. Loads of great stuff about all things shrimps, both on and off the field. And we discuss in detail about Charlie and the fact that he lives with Parkinson's disease and how that affects his daily life and what he's doing to raise funds and awareness of the condition. That's all on the Shrimps Verdicts pod. Get yours wherever you get your podcasts from. In this episode, I've been chatting to EFL aficionado, pundit, writer, broadcaster, all-round great guy, Gabriel Sutton. Now, Gabriel will be joining myself and Matt Smith uh, in the commentary box for Morecambe's next League One fixture, which is a week on Friday, depending on when you're listening to this right now. The 15th of October, it's a 7.45 kickoff as Morecambe travel to Burton Albion in League One. Of course, we'll bring you, as ever, full match commentary and Gabe will be alongside myself and Matt for that. But I've been chatting to him about all things Morecambe and everything to do with League One and the EFL. Enjoy. The first question to you is... Like every other pundit in the EFL in pre-season, you were very complimentary about Morecambe and all about of their achievements and that promotion into League One. But you had the shrimps inside the relegation zone. So my question <laughs> is, do you still stand by that statement? And if so, why? I think there's a good chance Morecambe will beat the drop. Um, it's interesting because I think you're right. A lot of people were quite quite praising of Morecambe uh, before the start of the season because of what they achieved in League Two last year and sort of getting up to this level. I had Morecambe just about going down. I think I said 22nd. There were quite a few people. I think the NTT 20 part and D3D4 that actually did have Morecambe staying up. Having said that, it's been a wonderful start to the season. You've got Cole Stockton absolutely flying 14 points is a wonderful uh, haul at this stage and uh, and you seem to have quite a deep squad as well so um i still think the Morecambe will be in the relegation battle but i think while you, you're making this amazing start in the club's first ever season at this level in 121 year history you've just got to enjoy it haven't you I think so. I think that's all part of the ride, isn't it? It's part of the um, part of the roller coaster of, uh, of of being in League One. I suppose from from a fan's point of view and a journalist's point of view too, nobody knows really how it's going to pan out. It is only ten games, of course, early days in the season, but early signs have been absolutely terrific. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think what's what's really interesting, I, I think Stephen Robinson has been the best manager in League One so far this season. And the reason I say that, it's what sets Stephen Robinson apart for me is that it's just such an alien season. As I mentioned, it's the first, the first ever season at this level. You've had a massive turnover of players. You've got a new manager coming in. And I felt like uh, having so many changes in um, the yeah, in the summer would have sort of disrupted things a little bit. And you would rather almost come into this level with the same identity, with the same template, the same personnel that had got you up to this level this year. So the fact that Stephen Robinson can rebuild a team almost while in a different, in a higher division, I think speaks volumes for him. So I'm really impressed so far. So let's talk about Cole Stockton then, Gabe, if, if we may. He's yeah. one of those strikers who at the moment is in that much of a rich vein of form. He just cannot miss. I suppose all strikers go through that time at some point in their career 
Mm. Everything he touches turns to goals. World is left, right and centre. You look at his stats, though, and I suppose that's part of the reason why he's at Morecambe in the first place. On paper, before the season had started, it, it, nothing to write home about at all, but it seems to have really made that step up this season. Yeah, it's so impressive, Dave. Um, I'm, I I have to admit, um, and uh, listen, it, it, um, Cole, listen, Cole Stockton's always been an incredibly hardworking lad. I'm sure there's been, never been any question marks about that. But I would have to confess that when he did sign, I think it was uh, just before Jim Bentley's uh, last last couple of months of Jim Bentley's time in charge, um, I, I was a little bit, I'm not quite sure how this is going to work out. It felt like um, someone who doesn't necessarily have the, the best record in the EFL apart from when he's been at Morgan previously. I think he's found some good form for your lot sort of seven, six, seven years before uh, before he joined. And then um, yeah, it had some difficult times, I think, at Carlisle and at Tramia. So it felt like it was almost last chance saloon for Paul Stockton as an EFL striker. And then... I think when Derek Adams came in, he's. Um, I felt like he, in the summer before the promotion season, you'd think, would you need maybe another centre forward? Not that Paul Stockton did badly in Adams' first season, but just that you want more of a goal scoring presence. And I think in that in the promotion year, what a hold option he was because although um, Morgan sort of played direct that year. It wasn't always the Cole Stockton's head because he's not massively taller, I don't think, but it's to his chest. And he could bring other players like Carlos Mendes Gomez or Adam mm. Phillips into play. Um, but he wasn't actually scoring that many goals. And then all of a sudden, this season, even stepping up to League One, he's become the same hardworking hold-up striker that he was in the promotion season. And he's added an extra layer of goals to his game with such a confident finish that second goal against Luke, uh, Lincoln in midweek. That's the confidence he's playing with now. And confidence is just such a massive thing in football, Dave. I really do believe yeah. that. And um, I think you've just got to pay tribute to Cole Stockton. He's having an incredible season so far. I have said, I said on Twitter last week, and I stand by this, and this is my personal opinion. It's not a valuation that the football club put on him or anything like that. I think Cole Stockton could be Morecambe's first ever million pound player. That's interesting. I... Um, I mean, you sold Carlos Mendes Gomez um, uh, to, to Luton. I'm not sure how much that was, but um, Mendes Gomez is three or four years younger, I think, than Stockton. So I would argue he's probably got a slightly higher long-term ceiling. Um, so I think if listen, if, if Luton got him for a six-figure fee, then I think that uh, that was fantastic business for them. But um, yeah, in terms of Stockton, you know how valuable goals are. Um, Certainly, in terms of uh, in terms of the market, so yeah, I wouldn't be completely surprised. Or uh, although I think Paul Stockton is very much in his peak at the moment. So um, listen, he's having a brilliant season, and I'm sure he'll he'll enjoy this while he's certainly riding this way. You mentioned Stephen Robinson there, Gabe, a, a very mm. different manager uh, to Derek Adams, uh, both in terms of his playing style and his personality. Yeah, I think so. Um, I was lucky enough to uh, to interview James Wickfield on EFL debate uh, about a week ago, and and he was saying that sort of you've needed different managers for, for different times. Eric Adams was someone who kind of breathed fire, breathed new life into the club with his drive and determination, and almost single-handedly carried the club forward with what he wanted. He's incredibly focused, um, and I think what you've got with Stephen Robinson is. Um, 
somebody who's um, a very personable man, um, seems to be able to have a good sort of connection with people. And uh, I think it seems like he's been what's required to kind of rebuild this squad because there are going to be a lot of departures uh, this summer, probably more so than, than for a lot of promoted teams and he's handled that rebuild incredibly well and I think you've got to give credit to the football club for actually choosing Stephen Robinson because I think it would have been very um very easy perhaps to maybe look at an established name like a Keith Hill or like a Phil Parkinson where they've achieved a lot in English football but perhaps their reputation has dropped just enough for them to be affordable for a club that's um got quite a modest sort of uh, stature, if you like, if, if you don't mind me saying. Um, but actually, the club has been very sort of bold in, and sort of quite adventurous, I would say, in its ability to look a little bit further afield and look at the Scotch market and look at how well uh, Stephen Robinson was doing north of the border. And um, yeah, I think it's been the perfect fit so far. The one thing that Stephen Robinson has, has pointed out so often is the difference between playing in Scotland and managing in, up there and managing in England. Not so much in terms of the quality, but certainly in terms of the volume of games and intensity and, and, and not enough time or not certainly as much time to, to implement coaching techniques. And the EFL at the moment, Gabe, there's a lot of games and there's a lot of football to be played in a very short space of time. Yeah, definitely. It's a very, very rigorous uh, demands, I think, the EFL. And that's why um, I think it's important that you've got um, a big squad of players. And I feel Morecambe have got that as a, a lot of players coming in. Was it 15, 16? I think the number 19. was. 19 it was, mm. blimey. So, I mean, that's, that's almost unheard of, I think, for a newly promoted side. But again, like so many of these players have just settled in uh, really quickly. And um yeah, I look at players like uh, Arthur Nahuya, who um, I'm speaking to Joel Shooter, who's a brilliant sort of uh, writer and talker and um, sort of commentator, I suppose, on, on Markham. And one of the things he was saying was that, you know, he's someone known for his kind of direct running ability and what he can do with those sparks in possession. But actually, he's sort of learned a more tactical side of his game in terms of his work off the ball. So I think, again, that speaks to excellent coaching from, from Stephen Robinson and even players like Scott Wooten probably playing the best football of his career for sort of five or six years. So, yeah, really impressive, uh, really impressive stuff. And I can't wait to see how Josh McPake gets on when he comes into the side, if he does, because he was someone who really impressed me at Harrogate last season as well. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about uh, more general League One stuff in just a second, Gabe, if we may. But uh, let's put you on the spot then. Morecambe, you said the bottom four before a ball had been kicked. What is your revised prediction 10 games into the season? Uh, Charlton, I think, have enough good players to get out of it. I think uh, Ipswich too, I think that's quite an obvious uh, statement. So um, I think Doncaster, with four points from their first nine games, you'd have to say are in trouble. I had Kruger going down before the start of the season. I've not quite seen enough to change my mind on that. Similar story, really, for, for Fleetwood, although they are unbeaten and they're scoring more goals than I expected them to. But I've got a bit of a worry that might drop off. So um, I think that Doncaster crew uh, and Fleetwood, and I'd probably look at Shrewsbury for, for the other team. So um, listen, there's a possibility that one of those sides could have a, a rise of course we're only nine ten games in so i think at 
depending on how many of those themes have a real resurgence, um, then there could be the danger that your Morecams, your, um, your Cambridges, your Cheltenhams, the, the three of the newly promoted clubs start to get into a bit of bother because we've only had, what, less than a quarter of the season gone. So um, I still think that Morecambe could get sucked into it, but I think as it sounds, I probably wouldn't have them going down. It's been a bit of a strange start to the League One campaign game, hasn't it? I, I think a lot of clubs, as you mentioned there, are underachieving so far. You would think that uh, they would start to climb the table. One or two surprises at the top end of the table as well. Other big clubs not quite doing as well as perhaps pre-season expectations uh, may, may be suggested. So it, it has been an interesting start to the campaign. Certainly has, yeah. Um, I think Plymouth Argyle look um, have, have surprised me a little bit. I had them finishing in the top half this year, but a lot of people actually had them down as relegation fodder. So, um, yeah, their three-five-two looks pretty strong. Hard in Jeff got uh, Hardy, especially is in really good form, and um, yeah, they've got a few players to come in as well. So, Argyle look pretty strong so far this year, and they're probably ones that you wouldn't necessarily have expected. Um, I had. MK and Wigan Wanderers is my top two before the start of the season. But to be honest with you, Sunderland and Wigan are, are looking pretty strong as well. Rotherham, you'd have to say, potentially too. So I think that it could be maybe, uh, if there's two of the, yeah, two of those five teams will finish in the top two. I don't see any of the other five, any, any teams outside those five finishing in the automation places. Last season, empty stadiums. And I think not playing in front of fans certainly helped clubs like Morecambe perhaps to, 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 to maybe harness what they had in terms of their squad mentality and stuff like that. I think in terms of this season, with crowds back, it's a, it, it's a different story entirely for a lot of sides. You could argue that bigger clubs um, have paid, paid wages expecting bigger gates. Um, have been perhaps more at risk than the potentially smaller clubs where the, the loss of gate revenue maybe isn't quite as big a factor unless you factor in maybe the, the they probably would have been less likely to get any TV, TV deals. Um, so I suppose that there is that as a factor. But um, yeah, I, I think it's affected a lot of clubs, of course, the pandemic. And hopefully uh, clubs can sort of come out the other side of it. And it looks to me as though Morecambe are an extremely well-run club. You've got um, Rod Taylor and Graham Harris who do a great job as chairman. And then you've got people like um, James Wakefield and, uh, and Charlie Appleyard who uh, do a great job in terms of um, that transparency. And yeah. um, I know Charlie actually has lots of meetings with the Trump press. So there is that connection between club and fans, which um, I think you need really. Um, I think that's really important for, for a football club to be sort of to sustain itself and to continue to achieve against the odds, which at the moment more can we do. Absolutely. I think uh, for League One has surprised me. The one thing that's, that surprised me that's different to League Two, not necessarily the out-and-out quality of, of, of the better players in the division. I don't think there's too much between League One and League Two in terms of the, the, the best players. Certainly the pace of the game, though. It seems League One, all teams play a very high tempo and it's almost at a re relentless pace, whereas League Two seem to be a little bit more relaxed. And I think that's the one area where I've certainly noticed that there's been a, a, an uplift in, in the standard, if you will. There's 
um, lots of big clubs in League One, and I think that's obviously going to dictate the expectation and number of big clubs in um, in League One this season. It's enormous, and the fact that Morecambe uh, are sort of competing and currently in the top half, I think, speaks volumes really. For Morecambe, where do you think we're ultimately going to be finishing this season in League One? In League One, I'll go with uh, 18th for Morecambe. I think every single Shrimps fan here and now would would certainly take that, given everything that's happened and the start that we've had. I suppose from a from a fan's point of view, uh, and I know you've uh, you've obviously followed teams from from where you are down in the Midlands in years gone by. It's hard when you get a good start to the season. It's hard not to get carried away. I suppose, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, I suppose uh, you can take some heart from the fact that Wickham Wanderers um, sort of, I think they were in a similar position at this stage in their first season in League One. And then they yeah, they slipped and they just about stayed up. And then the following season, of course, they went on to, uh, to win promotion. So I think Wickham uh, certainly serves as an inspiration to a lot of clubs that um, that have sort of come from humble beginnings and have sort of roots in non-league football show that that it can be done you can sort of thrive against the odd backwards Stanley even to an extent as well um so so yes there is there, there is that inspiration that um if you have a, a fair wind you can sort of thrive against the odds um i think the aim for Morecambe really will be to try and sustain themselves at this level which i think is going to be an enormous task because um, you are going to, to lose your best players at, at some point, um, especially if you have a really good season this year, which you're on course to do. And obviously there's going to be interest in Cole Stockton and um, you know, are you going to be able to replace someone like McCallum when he goes back to Leeds and, and all these issues like yeah. that. Uh, and that's where I think that the structure of the club is going to, to come in because you're going to need the right the right recruitment to, in order to replace those players and gradually sort of build into this level um over time so a big task ahead but you certainly seem to be doing pretty well so far and i suppose that's what it's all about isn't it? it's all about keeping a level head and and, and believing in ourselves yeah absolutely I, I think that and maybe i'm sometimes guilty of this a little bit as well i think there is a certain element of the temptation of social media where if you feel something in one particular moment then you're like well, I want to put this out there. And I think that's the case for a lot of fans where, you know, you get really high when you've done well and really low when you've done badly. And I think, you know, the reality with football is always somewhere sort of between those two extremes. And I think there is maybe a bit more of an extremist mm. sort of culture in football uh, in, in the modern world, which is part of life, I suppose. But um, you seem like a, a solid bunch, so uh, I'm sure you'll, you'll keep a level head. We'll have to get you up to the uh, Mazuma Stadium very soon. You can come on co-commentary on, on Trims Live one day. We'd love to have you on, Gabe. Yeah, I'd love to, Dave. That'd be my pleasure. Most football fans of an EFL club uh, know all about you and know exactly what you're up to. But where can we find you on Twitter and online? And tell us a bit more about what you're up to at the moment. Sure. So I um, I write and I uh, pundit and present on on all things EFL, really. I write for various uh, for- various websites and uh, I'm on Twitter at Gab Sutton and you can also follow the hashtag EFL Debate which is a show that I uh, produce, present and, and pundit on I suppose, uh, talking to fans of different clubs so it's great to have uh, people like uh, like Joel and not just fans, I've been lucky enough to interview obviously um, James Wakefield and um, the odd manager in the game as well so I've been quite fortunate in that sense so uh, if you're interested in this sort of thing then yeah, follow the hashtag EFL mate.
and I'm on Twitter at Gabson. In terms of your own history game, actually, how how did you come to go down this path? Yeah, it's a very interesting one, Dave. I um, I, I've always been very passionate about football. I'm a yeah a Birmingham City fan, and um, so I suppose that's where the, the love of it came from. And uh, I think I had a lot of support from them um, to start writing. And I was lucky enough, really, to have that time to kind of spend a few years working towards building up a profile for myself in order to, um, yeah, in order to get work from it, I guess. And um, yeah, sort of after I'd established myself as a writer, I started to get into punditing and podcasting and all that sort of thing. So um, yeah, that that's kind of how I got into it. And I really just want to provide some coverage of lower league football because the mainstream media tends to focus on the big clubs. And uh, I like to work uh, to maybe to give the EFL a bit of limelight because I think there's lots of really talented players in there. I think there's passionate fans. I think there's good managers. Lots of unpredictability as well, which don't always get in the same way in the Premier League. So I love these divisions, and it's a, a big part of um, yeah what I like to, to follow. So you're going to be the new what Colin Murray on Quest, or the new Jeff Stelling, or the new Alan, Alan Hansen, Alan Shearer on Match of the Day? Where's it going? <laughs> well, I don't know. Um, I mean, if yeah, I'll get, happily give Quest my number. Thanks for the for the tip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> money's in the post, Dave. Um, yeah, I um, yeah, I'd like to sort of be a pundit on the EFL at some point in the next few years. That that would be great. But in the meantime, very happy to do what I'm doing at the moment. Thank you so much. We've uh, we've been bugging you to come on for a while, and finally you've uh, succumbed to our demands. So thank you very much indeed for that. And uh, hopefully we'll speak to you again very soon. That would be lovely, Dave, and hopefully we can speak to you when more come uh, safely in League One again this season. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Okay, thank you so much, and we'll catch you next time. Yes. A huge thank you to EFL pundit, broadcaster, writer and general all-round football league aficionado Gabriel Sutton for his fantastic insight into the shrimps and the rest of things happening in League One this season. Gab, we appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on the Shrimps Verdict podcast. And we'll be hearing much more from Gabriel as well. He's going to be joining myself and Matt Smith for Morecambe's next League One fixture. Join us at the Pirelli Stadium a week on Friday. That's the 15th of October for the build-up and full match commentary for the Shrimps trip to Burton Albion in League One. It's a 7.45 kickoff. We'll be live on air from 7.30. No game for Morecambe, of course, this weekend due to the Cambridge match being called off due to international call-ups. Once again, the second time this season that that has happened. Absolutely unbelievable stuff. Take care, Shrimps fans. Thank you very much indeed for your ears as ever. We always appreciate it. You can download the rest and catch up on the rest of the episodes of The Shrimps Verdict wherever you are listening to this right now via whichever platform on Google, Spotify, Apple or via your smart speaker or via the Beyond Radio website or app. I highly recommend the previous episode, the Wickham Wanderers podcast, which features a fantastic interview with director Charlie Appleyard. Please check that one out if you haven't already done so. Thanks so much again for listening and we'll speak to you next time. Every kick, every game, every goal. Following Morecambe FC in League One. Full match commentary of Morecambe FC on Beyond Radio. This is Shrimps Live from Beyond Radio.